Getting a good night's sleep, much easier said than done. We certainly know that here as we record late at night, but don't worry because our friends at CBDMD have a solution, exactly what you need to help you unwind and sleep harder than the Sacramento Kings on defense. Sleep PM bath salts fuse superior CBD and melatonin with a mixture of Epsom, Dead Sea, and Himalayan salts to turn any bathtub into a luxury spa experience and give you the relaxation you desperately deserve. And to make it even easier for you to relax, regroup, and recharge, they're offering all Locked On NBA listeners 25% off your next order when you use the promo code Locked On. I'm sorry, NBA. When you use the promo code NBA at checkout, once again, that's CBDMD.com, promo code NBA for 25% off your purchase of superior CBD products from CBDMD. You are Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, welcome back to the Wednesday Locked On NBA podcast. Every Wednesday, we are your two co-hosts. I'm John Corrales. I host the Locked On Celtics podcast. And you can find me on Twitter at RedsArmy underscore John. And I'm Jake Madison, host of the Locked On Pelicans podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at Nola Jake. So, lots to get to in this podcast. I mean, busy, busy day. First of all, LeBron James becomes a part owner of the Red Sox. That's going to be a discussion we have in segment three and a bunch of games on the NBA slate, including our two teams in action on TNT. Very nicely done, TNT. Coordinating with the Lockdown Podcast Network. The two best games of the night, right? Like yeah. uh, this wasn't the most exciting night of action, yet these two games kind of went down to the wire. We had some like late game heroics. Damian Lillard went for 50 points. You can't ask for much more than that. No, it was great. So we'll talk about those in the first segment, get to the rest of the games in segment two. This is all brought to you by Locker Room. I'm sure if you're on Twitter, you know about Locker Room by now. Talk to us on the Locked On Podcast Network, other fans, athletes, insiders, all in real time. You might even end up on one of our podcasts. Download the Locker Room app free in the iOS app store. Create your profile, link your Twitter, and join the NBA group. Follow your favorite hosts. I'm at John Corrales, all one word. Join us in a room. Let's have a conversation. We're going to have a conversation right now about the two big TNT games. Celtics Jazz, which was the first game. But let's start with Pelicans and Portland Trailblazers, which, as you mentioned, 50 points for Dame Lillard, a 125-124 win. Some of the listeners are waking up and putting this podcast on and saying, wait a minute, how did, how did Portland win this game? Right? Like, uh, I think I'm still asking myself that, that same question after watching all of it, too. Look, 125-124 for the Portland Trailblazers. New Orleans was up by 17 points with six minutes left to go. I don't know if you want to call it Dame time or you want to call it the Pelicans completely choked this one away or a combination of the two, but it was definitely a strong finish for Portland. And look, Lillard is a special player, 50 points for him, and he just did everything he could to kind of will that Portland Trailblazers team to victory. 20 points from him in the fourth quarter. So this wasn't just New Orleans collapsing, though they did right at the end. They were... um up three and Brandon Ingram at the line had to hit two free throws really to ice the game and make it a two possession game missed both of them. 
Then after Damian Lillard hit two foul shots, the uh, Pelicans turned the ball over on the inbound. And then on the next possession with Portland down one, Eric Bledsoe, a second team all defensive guy, fouls Damian Lillard to send him to the line again where he hits both free throws. They end up getting a win. Just special play by him. New Orleans being a young team that has no idea how to close a game whatsoever. And this is their 11th blown double digit lead of the season. Lillard summed it up really well to the TNT guys after the game. He said, He's been here before, he puts in the work, and he knows what to do to win games. And I think that kind of really sums up Lillard and what he's able to do in Dame time. And there's a reason we've got a hand motion and everything for it. <laughs> and basically for the locked on now is all they need to do. Mike Richmond hosts a locked on Blazers, just taps his wrist, right? Like the, you guys know, everyone knows what this is. And Lillard comes through more often than not. And it's really, even as a fan of the opposing team and a guy who's got to like talk about this loss, Really fun to watch just Damian Lillard do his thing. And for New Orleans, you know, it's a young team. Lillard didn't do this his first couple of years in the league. You've got to grow into this. You've got to take your lumps on it and figure it out. And if they can do it, they'll be good too because they stayed right up there with Portland in this one. Yeah, I suppose this is one of those kind of um, in the in the moment you hate to see it happen because as a fan uh, watching this game, you're like, I, how how are we losing this game? How are you making these mistakes? But in in the long term, which is the really the Pelicans, you have to look at this in the long term. Games like this are the learning experiences for Zion and for Brandon Ingram and like just as a group. And I'm a big silver lining kind of guy. Like I tend to skew positive. I like to find positive things in negative circumstances and if you can take this loss you process it and if you I guess throw it into the pile of all the other double digits lots of losses that you mentioned (laughs) but you process these and you say okay why is it that we've been losing these games you can figure that out then maybe you can be on the other side of it like Portland's been and why Damian Lillard is just so damn good at willing teams to win that's that's the that's the progression you want to see your guys make right yeah, like uh, on Twitter after this one, you know, when I think I said, like, I don't even know how to do a podcast after that, you know, it kind of throws the narrative and everything you thought you knew about this game out the window and you've got to go like a completely different direction. And you as a beat writer know that probably more than most. Yes. Uh, when that <laughs> happens and a game swings in the final minute or so, and you got to throw out everything you've pre-written. You know, people were like, oh, I can't wait for you to kill this team on the show on Locked On Pelicans. And Like, that's not what I did on today's show because they don't, it doesn't warrant it, right? Like, Lillard has done this. He's the proven guy, as he said. He's gone through this before. He's put in the work to be able to close out games and to know what to do to takes to win games. You you don't get that without experience, right? Like, Zion hasn't even played a full season's worth of games. He hasn't played 82 games in his career (laughs) yet. He he does, he's not going to know how to close. You know, same thing for a guy like Brandon Ingram, who was on three years of bad Lakers teams when the games didn't matter. And so when you kind of look at all of that, it's, they're going to take some lumps and they, you know, you worry about this in two, three years, if they can't close games or even next season, if they can't close games, I'm not worried about it yet. And as you said, you process it, you move on from it, you, you win the next one and, and, and we're all good. 
So I, I'm not like screaming at this team about it, but like certainly it stings. I think the the stat came from Andrew Lopez of ESPN stat, and from their stats and info site. There have been like 236 games this season where a team is up by 17 with six minutes left to go. And this is the only time that a team has lost. Ah. So being the one out of over 230 <laughs> 30 games this season, it's like not a good number to be on. That stings. Uh, CJ McCollum returned in this game, played 26 minutes, shot three of 11, nothing uh, nothing really spectacular there, but he's going to work his way back in. That's big for the, uh, the uh, Portland Trailblazers. On the uh, Pelican side, Zion had eight assists. That's a career high, right? Eight assists? Yep. 28 points, eight it assists, is. 30 points for Brandon Ingram, and 20 points. 20 points off the bench for Nikhil Alexander-Walker. The other game of the night where fans begged one of the hosts on this show to kill their team on a podcast. <laughs> I was say, you're Celtics. about to be super silver linings here. Yeah. Boston Celtics lost to the Utah Jazz, 117-109. This was a good game. Back and forth, the Celtics came out to a big lead. The Utah Jazz are a really damn good team, and they kept fighting back. But this was both teams going back and forth throwing their punches. It was a really good game, I thought. And frankly, to me, the, the Celtics made mistakes because they're just not as good a, of a team as the Utah Jazz. And the Utah Jazz move the ball so well. Their decision-making is so good, so quick. that They had a possession where in less than 10 seconds, they made six passes, two drives into the paint, and kicked it out for a top of the key three pointer. So basically, the longest three pointer on the on the court, all in less than ten seconds. Uh, it was it was spectacular. Uh, in the end, the Celtics had the, the game down to three with just a couple two and a half minutes to go. They could just never get it going after that. The Jazz did a tremendous job defensively, getting the ball out of Tatum's hands, getting the ball out of Jalen Brown's hands, and forcing other guys to shoot. Meanwhile, on the other end. Donovan Mitchell comes down and hits a three. Mike Conley comes down and hits a three. They're executing late in the game like a good team did. And for the Boston Celtics, they just weren't able to execute. But again, positives. This is the best. This is one of the best games the Celtics have played. You know, even that loss to Brooklyn. They have two losses that are disappointing in a way, and they made mistakes, but they played well. And if they play the way they played against Utah and the way they played against Brooklyn, the two losses after the break, they would have won a lot more of those games that they lost in February. Yeah, I think that like it's that's fair to say. And like I, I figured you were going to come in and be be pretty optimistic about the Celtics in this one. And look, Utah is really freaking good. Like that is a really good team. And it's you mentioned it, the ball fantastic. movement. You could see it in this game, like especially. I kind of love the move of Joe Ingles more on the bench this year and coming off with the second unit than he has in seasons past because his passing so good too. It kind of adds some of that and makes them a little bit more well-rounded. But yeah, like you said it right. Like Utah's the better team right now. They're the, you know they have the best record in the league. There's almost no shame in losing to this and keeping it close. Definitely says something about that Celtics team starting to get things a little bit more like the ship righted to some degree. Yeah. And so the question, a lot question asked a lot this season is who are the Celtics? What are they? How real are they? I think, I think what we're starting to see now is a little bit more of who they are 
obviously Marcus Smart's still on a, a minutes restriction. They still haven't gotten Romeo Langford back, who who could be a guy who gives them some decent minutes off the bench, but still that's not going to get them to anywhere big. So we're seeing the Celtics kind of in that next pack of Miami and Indiana and, and that group of teams in the East. And it just now, as the trade deadline comes along, what will Danny Ainge do? How much of a, a move, how big a move will he make? What are the Celtics going to do to add to their team? Because look, they, they were outscored, their bench was outscored 45 to 21 in this game. The Jazz are deep and awesome, and the Celtics have nothing on their bench that can even compare. So they need to go get some help in, in at the trade deadline, and let's see what Danny Ainge does. So I still right now put the Celtics in that second tier of teams, and Danny Ainge can see if he can bring them to the top of that second tier of teams. I just don't know if they're ever going to do anything this season that will knock them into that top three of Philly, Milwaukee, and Brooklyn. I don't I don't see a move out there, kind of given what they're looking at, that vaults them into that. No, you can definitely get to the top of that second tier, I think. But look, we know Danny Ainge is going to be close to all of the guys that maybe get moved this offseason without actually making a trade for any of them. That's as right. he as he always is. Uh the uh the rest of the games coming up after the break including a tight one in Philly between the Sixers and the Knicks and Tobias Harris making a big declaration in the midst of leading the Sixers there. I talked earlier about locker room if you if you haven't gotten locker room uh it's it's an iOS App. It's a live audio-only sports talk platform. Think of it as sports talk radio where it's on your phone and you can you don't have to call in. You just raise your hand. We bring you on and we talk. It's free, down, free to download, free to use. You talk to me on mine, other fans, athletes, insiders in real time. Uh, we do uh, individual team ones. So go search. Once you download, it's super, super easy. Uh, it's free and you can join ongoing conversations. You can watch games together. You can react to news. I mean, you can hop on a locker room while the game's going on and react with one another. It's very versatile. You can talk to other sports fans, insiders. I host a show every week and uh, working on that. Jake, do you host a show every week now? Yeah, doing one every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Central. Come talk some Pelicans. Come talk some NBA. It, it's like a bar conversation, I think. Basically, to like a yeah. Degree, right? Like, yep. You know, you could be out of. You used to be at a bar watching the game, having drinks. You hear a couple people, like you know, a couple seats over from you, talking about something, and you chime in on that, right? Yep. And then it, it becomes like an actual conversation about things. We can't do that now, and this is a really good replacement for it. I jumped on a conversation on locker room that was about contraction and expansion in the NBA and thought it was really interesting and just fun to share insights with people like that. Yep. So, you know, you can talk to the host. There's a separate chat room. You can talk to each other while that conversation is going on. What's your username on there? Uh, it's at Nola Jake. Okay. And I'm at John Corrales. So you can follow each of us if you want to talk Celtics or Pelicans and get notified when our rooms go live. Just download the Locker Room app for free in the iOS app store. Create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the NBA group. So we will be going live on Locker Room once a week. Follow us on Twitter to uh, join in and get those uh, alerts and come with your spiciest takes. Uh, that's kind of what this is all about. Uh Blue Chew is changing the game and making waves, bringing more confidence to the bedroom. It's a unique online service that delivers 
the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable form at a fraction of the cost, Blue Chew's tablets combat all forms of ED, can help men gain an extra confidence when it's time to perform. Blue Chew is an online prescription service, so no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, no waiting in line at the pharmacy, and it ships right to your door in a discreet package. The process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your medic medication in days. The best part, it's all done online. Blue Chew's licensed medical providers work with you to find the right ingredient and strength of your prescription. If you don't like swallowing pills, it's not a problem. Blue Chew's Sildenafil and Tilatafil are chewable. Blue Chew's tablets are made in the USA, and they prepare and ship direct, so it's cheaper than a pharmacy. So if you can benefit from extra confidence when it's time to perform, visit BlueChew.com for more details and important safety information. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use the promo code LOCKEDON at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's BlueChew.com, promo code LOCKEDON to receive your first month free. And we thank Blue Chew for sponsoring this podcast. We're covering everything you need to know about the NBA, but what about the rest of sports? Now, the Locked On Podcast Network has you covered there as well with Locked On Today. It's hosted by the great Peter Bukowski, and it's all the sports news you need every morning in under 20 minutes. Follow the Locked On Today podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Rest of the night in the NBA, the next great game of the night was Philly over New York, 99-96. Another tough game for the New York Knicks. Uh, let's get the their take, the Knicks take, from Locked On Knicks host, Alex Wolf. Man, I do not know if my heart can handle too many more games like this. This is Alex Wolf from Locked On Knicks. The Knicks fall 99-96 to to the Sixers on the road, on the road back-to-back, right after losing to the Nets so close last night. The two top teams in the East, they're without their their top superstars, but still arguably just as dangerous as ever. Both of them had won a ton of games prior to facing the Knicks. And the Knicks lost by a combined eight points to those two teams uh, over two nights. So a little bit of a heartbreaker because the Knicks blew a lead. You never want to see that. But these are learning moments. The Knicks are a young team. R.J. Barrett is playing a big part in these games. Emmanuel quickly had his first two starts. Julius Randle is still pretty young himself. Things are looking up for the Knicks. They're just learning how to play through these situations and hang with the best teams. And these last two games, they did pretty admirable, even if they didn't get a win. So, you know, despite the losses, despite the heartbreak, things are looking pretty good for the Knicks right now. If you want to hear more, listen to Locked On Knicks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. No Joel Embiid in this game. Tobias Harris, 30 points, 11 of 20 shooting in this game. Now, after he hit a jumper with uh, about a couple minutes left in in the game, game, giving the Sixers a four-point lead, Harris turned to a camera and screamed, I'm an all-star. And uh, afterwards, he said, yep, I did that. For me, that's just affirming, reaffirming that to myself. I know the fans know that, but reaffirming that to them and myself um, uh, I'm just trying to find motivation in different areas. That's one of them. So he clearly feels like that all-star snub <laughs> was problematic. And Hey, he's turning around and using it for motivation. 
No, look, he could just say he's taking it personally, right? Just, just that's, that's the line. But like, he got off to a slow start of the year too. Like, does he forget about that? I'm glad he's kind of rounded into form and he's been much, much better, but he did, he did struggle for like the first month of the season. Um, but right now you could argue that he's playing at an all-star level for the Knicks. I, I just like that they're competitive, right? Like this loss would have been like crushing to them in years past, but it's, it's not right now. You talk kind of about moral victory, silver linings. Like this is one for the Knicks, even without Joel Embiid for the Sixers. They've got to love this right now. Yeah. And it, you know, look, I, I think I always thought the Knicks were playing above their heads a little bit and it'd be interesting to see if they do anything at the trade deadline. Uh, I like the fact that they're, they're getting to play Emmanuel quickly more and start him now. And he's responding, I think pretty well so far. Still a rookie, still making mistakes, but th- that's where you need to go. You need to go in that direction with these guys. And and I think, look, Thibodeau's got them playing hard. Uh, good wins or, or or good performances. I know that they want playoffs, and the Knicks fans just they can't take more rebuilding. But I, I I think that moral victories are the only victories that the Knicks should be worried about. Uh, moving yeah. on, the Miami Heat one thirteen. 98 winners over the Cleveland Cavaliers. Let's go to Locked On Heat host Dave Ramil. This is Dave Ramil of Locked On Heat. Miami has won their fifth straight game. They're 11th over the last 12 and they're 15th over the last 19 games. This time, a 113-98 victory over the Cleveland Cavaliers. They did it with extremely good defense, just as they have routinely holding opponents to under 100 points. Uh, they've been great with uh, trapping ball handlers, mixing zone that throws opponents off and forces turnovers. They also challenge three-point shots extremely well with well-timed closeouts and a defense that rarely rests. They held the Cavs at just 28% shooting from three-point range. And they also welcome back Bam Adebayo, who had missed the last four games, all four victories, while, of course, Jimmy Butler was playing at an MVP level. 28 points, 12 rebounds, four assists, and two steals. The team isn't perfect. Uh, they let the Cavs crawl back in the fourth quarter after building a 19-point lead, and Jimmy had to come back into the game and might have re-aggravated an ankle injury that's been a lingering problem since last season. So be on the lookout to see whether or not he might miss Wednesday's game against the Memphis Grizzlies in the second night of a back-to-back. But they look really good. Uh, they're getting better, and they could be even better around the trade deadline if they're looking to shore up their weaknesses with some added experience and depth, especially defensively. Uh, they might be looking to add somebody, but for now, the gym VP was all they actually needed. For a full recap of tonight's game, be sure to subscribe to Locked on Heat. A Jimmy Butler sprained ankle would be a big problem for them because they just got him back. He had 28 points, 12 rebounds, 4 assists, 2 steals, and I know Miami Heat fans are screaming for Jimmy Butler as uh, an MVP candidate, but He's not going to get there if he keeps getting hurt. And and look, the Miami Heat are currently the fourth seed, a game up on Charlotte and a game and a half up on Boston. They cannot afford to be losing games because you lose ground fast in a very tightly packed East. Look, and this was their own fault, right? Like they had to put him back in the game because they started to let Cleveland get back into this one to some degree. And, uh, you know, like if, if there's an injury here, they're going to really feel bad about this. And hopefully it's nothing too bad, but they definitely need him. They've been playing really, really good basketball and looking like the NBA Finals heat recently. But that only comes with Jimmy Butler out there on the court. So this injury looms large, not just for them, but kind of the rest of the East to some degree too. Hawks 119 over the Rockets 107. The Houston Rockets have now lost 17 games in a row. Jake, are the the Rockets ever going to win again? 
Uh, eventually, but I'm <laughs> I'm hoping they can make it 20. This is this this was the perfect game for Houston, right? They want to lose. Yeah. They want to tank and get the top pick that they can. You had Victor Oladipo, who's going to be on the trade market, go 13 of 20 and score 34 points in this one. That's exactly what they want. Showcase him, trade him, while also losing. They played eight guys in this. Now, now they're dealing with so yeah. much going on right now. But like they're, they're, this is ideal. They, they want to lose 25 games in a row if they can, and particularly if Oladipo keeps playing well so that they can move him. That's right. Let's get the take here from Jackson Gatlin of Locked On Rockets and Brad Rowland of Locked On Hawks. Hello, friends. My name is Brad Rowland, and the Atlanta Hawks got a sixth consecutive victory tonight in Houston, outlasting the Rockets by a 12-point margin. It was a bit of a weird game in a lot of ways. Uh, for one, Houston was playing with eight players. They are very, very, very shorthanded right now due to injury and some other absences. And as a result of that, the Hawks are supposed to win this game. Obviously, you go on the road, anything could happen in the NBA, but the Hawks, through the first you know, quarter and a half of this game, were in absolute control. They led by as many as 23 points before halftime. Then Houston woke up. They made a little bit of a run at the end of the first half, and then from that point forward, it was pretty dicey. The Hawks actually were tied in the last five, six minutes of this game against this shorthanded Rockets team before pulling away late. So in the end, Atlanta did play well enough to win. They shot the ball very, very well, and that probably papered over some other problems. Um, and defensively, it seemed like the Hawks let down a little bit after they took the big lead, which is human nature on some level. But they got the win. This is six in a row. This is a game the Hawks needed to win. If they had lost it, it would have been pretty brutal in a lot of ways. But they managed to survive the onslaught late. And uh, as a result of that, all positive vibes here. The Hawks are still undefeated under their new interim head coach, Nate McMillan. And they'll come back to Atlanta to face the Oklahoma City Thunder in another winnable game on Thursday. So everything is rolling. The Hawks are now back to 500 for the first time in a while. And uh, much more to come on the Locked On Hawks podcast. What's up? Jackson Gatlin here from Locked On Rockets. Uh, look, Kevin Porter Jr. and Jay Sean Tate balled out. The future is bright. Victor Oladipo put on a show, uh, and it was a good game for future trade suitors. And the Rockets lost game number 17 in a row, tying the longest losing streak in franchise history as they continue to fade for Cade. And K.J. Martin Jr. had the freaking dunk of the year. So, all things considered, I'm feeling pretty good. So for a full breakdown on what took place in this game for the Rockets, be sure to check out Locked on Rockets, your team, every single day. Jackson calls the K.J. Martin dunk the dunk of the year. Do you agree? No. 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 Did you you not, you not see Jackson Hayes the other night? I don't know if Reggie Jackson's in the league anymore. <laughs> and then there's an Anthony Edwards dunk from like a few weeks ago. Like yep. that, was, that was the dunk of the year to me. Like so... But yeah, look, I, I might give it to that one, but no, it was not this one. Let's let's give Rockets fans uh, a little bit of just let's just give them this for now. Um, <laughs> uh, Oklahoma, sure. <laughs> Oklahoma City Thunder lose 123-102 to the Chicago Bulls and Zach Levine's 40 points on 15 of 20 shooting, 7 of 12 from 3. Wow, what a game from him. Lowry Markinen. Uh, puts up a nice shooting night. That's good if they're shopping him, especially showing that he can hit those shots. That That's great. On the Oklahoma City Thunder side, 21 points for Shea Gilgus-Alexander on 10 of 17 shooting. He's a stud. Moses Brown, 20 points, 16 rebounds. And let's move on to the final game of the night, 
Lakers 137 over the Timberwolves 121. Let's go to our Locked On local experts, Ben Beacon from Locked On Wolves and Anthony Irwin from Locked On Lakers. Anthony Irwin here for Locked On Lakers reacting to uh, these Lakers knocking off the Minnesota Timberwolves 137 to 121. Uh, they do so behind LeBron James's uh, 25 points, 12 assists, and 12 rebounds. Second straight triple-double for him. Uh, the Lakers uh, win back-to-back games on back-to-back nights. And anytime you can do that in the kind of convincing way that the Lakers were able to take down these two games, uh, you're, you're, you're playing pretty well. And look... It's really easy to look at how shorthanded Minnesota has been, not just tonight, but all season. Uh, I would reply to that with how shorthanded the Lakers also are. Hopefully, the Lakers will will get everybody back relatively quickly. Uh, but until they do, watching this team play through this number of injuries and absences has been pretty astonishing. And this is why... Rob Palenka put together such a deep roster where you have on any given night Montrez Harrell being able to go for 25 points and once again on insanely efficient shooting 11 of 16 from the field being able to get somebody like that for the amount that he came over for is just invaluable so again the Lakers take down the Minnesota Timberwolves 121 they win 137 and 121 In a second, I'm going to talk to Pete, and we're going to go over more of this game for Locked on Lakers. Until then, I'm Anthony Irwin. Have a good one. Hey, everyone. Ben Beacon with Locked on Wolves here. The Minnesota Timberwolves lost tonight to the L.A. Lakers by 16 points. It was a lot closer than that, though. The Wolves were actually only down by one at halftime and had a seven-point second-half lead before LeBron James kind of took over, and ultimately he had a triple-double. The Wolves got 29 apiece from Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Edwards, which was his career-high effort on the road for Ant um, so far in his young NBA career. But the Timberwolves actually played extremely well. In most nights, this would result in a win or at least a much closer game. But LeBron decided to turn it on late in the game. The Wolves could not keep up. Still, a strong game from Anthony Edwards. Strong game from Carl Anthony Towns. Jalen Noel, a good game off the bench. Going to talk all about it on the postgame podcast tonight. Be sure to subscribe to Lockdown Wolves for all things Timberwolves. And that's your night in the association. We're back with LeBron James moving into the ownership of the Boston Red Sox. That's coming up next. Have you voted in the Built Bar bracket? We've been telling you about Built Bar forever. Jake and I have been buying them with our own money. They are the best tasting protein bar on the market. Low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber. They're awesome. And now we're just trying to figure out how awesome they are, which is the most awesome, the awesomest even and uh, so on BuiltBar.com, they're doing a sweetest 16, the Built Bar bracket. Today's matchup, peanut butter versus coconut puff. Jake? I, I know what you're picking. If you pick coconut puff, I'm ending this podcast. No, I'm not. It's peanut butter. Like, peanut butter wins. Like, this, this isn't, this isn't a, cl- a close one at all. Right. Thank you. It should be peanut butter. It's a staple that's like kind of like a go-to flavor. It's also just delicious. And as I've been telling my listeners... I can't believe these things are healthy for you. I know, right? Uh, Okay, so go to BuiltBar.com or at Bar underscore Built on Twitter to see the matchups. They're going to be updated by the time you listen to it. A new matchup will be up if this one is done. So, because I'm sure this will be done because peanut butter is going to win in a landslide. 
When you're on BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order. That's LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. Make sure you're checking back to see who won today's matchup and who will become the best-tasting protein bar. Bet Online does not have odds on this. It's the only thing that they do not have odds on is the Built Bar bracket, but they should. Uh, they are the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. NBA, in full swing, in-game betting on NBA games, college basketball, the tournament is starting, NHL, baseball is coming back, awards. You could have bet on the Grammys if you wanted to. Reality TV, they've got you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It is the best way to place your bets. It is free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device. Use the promo code Locked On, and you're going to get a 50% welcome bonus. So if you deposit $100, bucks, you are going to get a $50 welcome bonus on top of that. So go to Bet Online. Use the promo code Locked On. They are your online sportsbook experts. Please gamble responsibly. Increasing your basketball IQ starts with listening to the Hollinger and Duncan podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. NBA analytics pioneer and front office insider John Hollinger joins Dunked On podcast host Nate Duncan to bring you the most in-depth scouting reports, game breakdowns, and salary cap analysis around the trade deadline. This is my go-to podcast, so go follow the Hollinger and Duncan podcast today wherever you get your podcasts. So we told you earlier about the... Locked On Today podcast, which is a podcast you should be subscribing to every day. And in their question of the day, they discuss LeBron James becoming a part owner of the Boston Red Sox. It's a great clip. It's a great discussion. So here with Peter Bukowski is the Locked On Today question of the day regarding LeBron James. LeBron James is now a partial owner of the Boston Red Sox. And if you were going to pick a professional athlete who would eventually become an owner and just predict who that might be. LeBron James would be near the top of that list. This is something that I think is the kind of thing that could affect change beyond what we normally see ownership do. And to explicate that conversation a little bit, Ross Jackson is here from locked on NFL and locked on saints and Ross, one of the, the big parts of the protests from the NBA this summer was about those people in power using their power and the people who were not in power um, potentially either either gaining power or changing the power dynamics, especially mm -hmm. when it comes to race, but also when it comes to player dynamics, player ownership dynamics. How do you think having someone like LeBron James in the owner suite could change some of the fundamental things about the sports? Yeah, I, look, I, I think it's a it's a fantastic opportunity to begin to see some level uh, shifts in the sporting world to have that voice in ownership meetings and to have that voice in ownership across uh, a major sport and across multiple major sports as we're starting to see a little bit of a rise into that. I mean, we even see ownership in the XFL's case now, right? So I think that there's really, really good movement here happening that that puts this conversation around you know, diversity and progress in sports, particularly in the conversations of race and particularly in conversations of sex and gender as well, that maybe that getting these folks, getting these people in at the ownership levels, at the general management levels, at the executive director levels, that really helps to enforce some actual 
uh, reputable change as opposed to what we see right now, which is a lot of deflection down to the individual clubs and sometimes putting the onus on the individual that's trying to come up in these ranks. Now, all of a sudden, we might see more accountability and ownership as ownership begins to diversify across major sports as long as this can continue. There's also a lot of check writing meant to mm-hmm. paper over the lack of action, which is actually going on in a lot of uh, the ownership suites of of these sports right now. And one of the things that you hear with the reporting that's around the diversity in the NFL, which you and I cover and, and see so directly, is it's not necessarily the other coaches or the GMs. It's ownership. Consistently, it's ownership pushing back on whether it's minority candidates or or the inclusiveness that the players are pushing for. So to me, when you have someone in the room, and by the way, that person is LeBron James. Right. It's not <laughs> just like if you had a, a CEO of, of color at Chase Bank and mm-hmm. he bought a team, that would carry different weight, right? This is LeBron right. James. Yeah. And I think that's part of what's what makes this so incredible too, is to see somebody that comes in with an established weight and an established command in his own sport and not even in his own sport, but across the sporting world, right? Like this is an all universe type person that has now bought into this franchise. And even though it's in a different sports in the MLB, it still carries a much larger weight than maybe you would see with some of the examples akin to what you just shared with, you know, somebody coming up that didn't come up from this. And also you're bringing somebody that not only came up from the, the organization, that we're trying to challenge to continue to progress and continue to change. He also came up fighting for it the entire time. He's been increasingly vocal. And I I shouldn't even say increasingly, I should say consistently vocal while also being increasingly vocal over the course of his entire career. There would be no reason to expect that to change now that he's in an owner suite. In fact, it maybe propels him a little bit further to be able to drive some of these conversations. And we know because we have seen this before, you and I have discussed this off of off of microphones before the ability of just having somebody in the room that allows a group to make a better decision than the one that they would make on their own. And now Mm -hmm. he can be somebody that a lot of folks will trust to speak up, to be that voice, to be representative without worried, without being too worried about over-representing, which is a very different situation, but him being able to be representative of a more progressive voice, a voice that is geared towards social justice, a a voice that is geared towards uh, continuing to progress these conversations and what we're seeing within sports. That's a really, really uh, unique perspective that we've yet to see in any major sport so far. There is also something I think unique about it being Boston. Right. And mm. and he has a, a pre-existing relationship with the Fenway with Fenway group. So it's not like, you know, he went out of his way to pick a city mm-hmm. that has a reputation for, you know, the racist roots and 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 history that is there. But there is something I think that is that is cool and symbolic about it being Boston because for exactly the reasons that I just mentioned, because of the reputation and because of the history that it holds there. Yeah, absolutely. There's there's all of that in terms of the social history and the socioeconomic history, but then there's also the the franchise history, right? This is a very right. historied franchise which is usually equipped with an opportunity to say, well, this is how we've always done it. Now, all of a sudden, if one of those more history, more grounded, more rooted, more representative franchises of the whole of the MLB starts making more progressive change, starts making more meaningful change and meaningful, less cosmetic action, but actual action, right? It's not just about, you know, 
spray painting end racism in the back of the end zone. It's about taking steps towards challenging racism within your own culture. And if you see that happen on an insular inward looking level with one of the most established franchises in major sports, not even just the MLB, but in major sports, then all of a sudden the idea of, well, we don't have a model. We don't know how to make this work. We don't have the vocabulary for it. We don't have the experience for it. We are going to continue to just do what we've always done. All of that goes away because here's a shining example of what this could be as long as you're able to find a way to follow through with it. Yeah. one A few years ago, one of the buzzwords in Silicon Valley was disruptor. And that's what LeBron James can be. We're talking about a franchise that um, for years was on a street. The stadium was on a street named after an owner who actively fought against integration. Right. And it's just those kinds of things that someone like LeBron James is going to come in and say, that's not happening. This is <laughs> we. This is going to change. And we need to make sure it's ch- it's changing. And he is not going to shut up and dribble. He is not going to take no for an answer because he walks into any room he's in self-assured that I know what I'm doing here and you're going to listen to me. You deserve to hear what I have to say because I deserve to say it to you. And and that's the dynamic that that I think is going to make this different than it might be in another situation. Again, subscribe to Locked On today wherever you get your podcast. It's great. It's like 20 minutes. All of your top sports headlines. So it's worth your time. It's quick. It gets you all caught up. Now, I'm a Boston guy. I grew up in the area. I'm a, I'm a Red Sox fan, and I think this is kind of cool. It's kind of interesting that LeBron comes into Red Sox ownership, uh, especially considering his history with Boston teams. But I think this is a huge thing for, for the Red Sox, and I think the points that they made in here were, were great ones because the Red Sox – do have a checkered history. They just changed the name behind Fenway Park. It used to be Yawkey Way, but they, they're getting away from the Yawkey name because that former owner of the Red Sox was a noted racist, and they're really starting to kind of cleanse themselves of some of the this, this really tarnished history. And LeBron has been doing a lot with his just business and philanthropic efforts to get more African-Americans, people of color into positions where they can make differences in industries that they have not been able to. And to make a move like this with the Red Sox front office, the Red Sox ownership, considering the team's history, considering all of that stuff, I think it's important. I think it's an important, it's, important visually it's it's optically it's it's something that is meaningful and i think for the players it's meaningful to have a guy that has achieved what lebron has achieved to now be part of that group and at least have their back as athletes so important stuff i'm i'm happy that he's doing it yeah, you know, I don't have too much to add here. I'm a huge fan of Ross Jackson, also because he hosts Locked On Saints here and from New Orleans, and yeah. he's so insightful when it comes to these kind of topics. So I really do just want to let kind of what he said kind of stand on its own. But I'll say this: like, this is very inspiring, right? It's no longer uh, people are going to look at these athletes and be like, "I could be like LeBron James. I could be an All Star. It's I could be an owner of a team," and mm-hmm. it sets the bar so much higher. And I love seen like this and and you talked about and they talked about it too you know it, it, you see ownership 
not actually do a lot of change, right? Like they, they, they're even kind of resistant to donating money. It's a million dollars and then not, not a dime more a lot of the time and, and less action behind a lot of that. That's not going to be the case with LeBron James. And this is probably how you set a new standard for ownership to respond to social justice issues. If he goes and does something and gets the rest of the Boston um, Red Sox ownership group to kind of follow through with actions, it's going to force others to do the exact same, I think. And so that's where this is such a meaningful milestone, I think, in terms of sports ownership and likely what's going to kind of the, the change that's going to come from this. Yeah, it's great stuff. I'm looking forward to seeing how uh, how it's going to pan out and, and seeing it up close here in the Boston area. It's going to be very interesting. That's the show. I hope you've enjoyed this Wednesday edition of the Locked On NBA podcast. Uh, again, I am one of your regular Wednesday co-hosts, John Corrales. Follow me on Twitter at RedsArmy underscore John, and I am the host of the Locked On Celtics podcast. And I'm Jake Madison, host of the Locked On Pelicans podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at Nola Jake. Thursday, Locked On NBA tomorrow, Lock and Golliver. So make sure you're subscribed to Locked On NBA wherever you get your podcasts and make sure you rate it five stars, give it a good written review, and share the podcast. Tell your friends to listen to Locked On NBA here on the Locked On Podcast Network.